0: Welcome in to 2 for 1 Drafts, Austin Gale here, the host of 2 for One Drafts, a Rookies and Draft Prospects podcast. Today on the show, we're going to go over our best 2022 NFL Draft Prospects in every single conference. Also got interviews with Kansas State head coach Chris Kleiman, Troy linebacker Carlton Marshall, and TCU cornerback Noah Daniels. Let's get it. You're taking the reins to start the show today, Mike. You have an absolute treat of a story for the fellas. It's an all right story.
1: Um, I'm a changed man after this weekend. Something <laughs> happens that has changed me forever. I, will, I can never there's no going you really back. really think
0: it's changed you forever?
1: <laughs> I mean, there's no going back at this point. I am an adult male <laughs> who has pissed his pants. Now, the backstory on it, it wasn't, uh, I'll just, so I'm, we need I'm, the backstory. I'm, in, I'm in Chicago. Um, I was visiting my nephew and some friends there and i'm golfing saturday morning and golfing at wilmette country club i'm staying at my buddies, which is in wrigleyville to get out there it was like a 15 20 minute drive it's not that far away i uh, just got on the highway um and, and on the golf course it was pretty hot like mid 80s so i'm like drinking a lot of water had probably like six beers on the golf course and we're driving back and we run into the worst traffic and probably this what should have been a 20 minute drive takes damn near an hour to get back from there and so about 45 minutes in i've been sitting in this car with my buddy driving i'm just like dude i gotta i gotta piss like i, I gotta go like it, it has been i thought this was not going to be that far so i didn't pee before we left i've had a lot of i've drank a lot of fluids on this golf course i am going to maybe pee my pants and we get off the highway and it's probably about five minutes off the highway to my buddy's place and i'm like dude just like can we stop at one of these restaurants or whatever he's like we're five minutes just just wait we get there, park, and I'm I'm hurting. I am I run into my buddy's place. I have the key, and it's like a three-story walk-up. He is the top floor uh, of this place. So I gotta go up three flights of stairs and my hand is shaking trying to put the key in his front door to get into this building. And I like miss twice and then I just start it just starts coming out. I just started peeing, finally opened up the door get in and instead of going trying to run up these three stairs as it's coming down my leg, I just go into his basement. I just run down to their like basement of this complex and I just unloaded, peed my pants. What
0: kind of pants were you wearing?
1: I was wearing golf shorts and so it wasn't the worst. Also, went down your leg. All down my leg. I was wearing sandals. Sandals were just (laughs) coated. And here's the the kicker though. I go back down there or I go out to my buddy's place, tell him I just peed my pants, take a shower, walk back down with a bunch of paper towels and whatever to clean it up. And a woman from a different apartment or a different condo in their building starts walking down to the basement because that's where, like, the laundry is for the whole unit. Oh, no. And she's like, oh, why is there, like, water? What what happened? I'm like, oh, yeah, my dog peed.
0: You had to say your dog peed. Yeah, I Elias said oh my, my dog peed. That's incredible. I, mean, I guess I probably would have done something myself similar.
1: Peed. Yeah. I mean, what am I gonna tell her? Oh yeah, I just peed my pants. Sorry. You want to step in it more? That's incredible. Yeah. That's incredible. How did she good. respond to the dog pee? She was very understanding, as cool. one should be nice. about a dog peeing. Human peeing, I would not. What kind of? So the
0: basement had to have like a concrete floor. Yeah, the
1: basement or? was all concrete nice. and then like wooden steps. So like it got, it just had a, a little bit on the carpet and is. Atrium, but whatever. Which,
0: I mean, is kind of par for the course. You know, you're having yeah. a good weekend. Yeah, um, so that was Going to get some pee on the carpet. Yeah. That is a fantastic story. I, I'm sorry we couldn't tell it yesterday or Monday because I had the other, the cannabis Emerald Crossings. i got a lot of DMs about like, oh my gosh, I've been to. I've been to Emerald Cross. Uh, yeah. No, I've been to a bunch of like oh. weed shops in San Jose. San Jose was was loaded with them. Emerald Crossings was just one of a thousand gems. All right. Some things off the rip here before we get into the 2022 NFL Draft Prospects and every Power I think we did Power Five Conference. Oh, and group of five. And, we and, do. We and just do, a 10 of the group of five. 10 of the group of five. You love to see it. Some news here. Carson Wentz, Quentin Nelson, both have the same injury. Oh, wow. Five to 12 weeks. Check that turf out there in India. That's, what's going on? That's got to be something. No, but I mean, I guess I mean, Carson Wentz had a previously, yeah, yeah, Carson Wentz had a previously broken foot and that like bone came loose. Quentin yeah. Nelson, five to 12 week timeline. I've talked to our injury analyst about uh-huh. why it's a five to 12 week timeline. And it's hard to explain. I don't, maybe you can help. Your mom's a doctor. My dad's a doctor. Your dad's a doctor. I didn't even
1: ask him about this one because I wasn't too, I don't know. I wasn't like, I didn't really care that much. I'm going to try and dumb this down as best I can.
0: Mario Pilato, injury analyst here at PFF. So this injury, the reason it's five to twelve weeks isn't necessarily that it could be like five, six, seven, eight. It's like it's not like it's more like, hey, if it heals one this way, it's gonna be like five to six weeks. If it heals this way, it's gonna be like eleven to twelve. Oh. It all depends on like how it's gonna heal. And everybody's body apparently is different on how this bone heals or how this injury oh. heals. So that's why and you can't tell from the MRI scans if your body's gonna heal the five to six week way okay. or the 11 to 12 week way. And the reason I, I brought this up on the social media call this morning is cause Quentin Nelson said five week timeline, I'm going to do everything I can to make it happen. I don't think it's honestly something you can really, really control. control yeah. Like your body has to like make it happen.
1: I want to ask my dad about this, but Every time I ask him about entries, it turns like an hour conversation. So, this one I'm Dude, not you sure need to I can. Talk care. to your
0: dad more anyway. <laughs> Give him a call, especially with two players, hurt, two, Wentz and Nelson.
1: I'll ask him about it. Get him it.
0: on. Get him on. It'll All be right. a
1: while. Next thing But here. I, I do think that in that scenario, I everyone's saying, oh, go get Nick Foles. One, Nick Foles is the last guy I trade for. He, you, if you want to just ruin Carson Wentz's chance of ever having a good season, go trade for Nick Foles. Sure, yeah. he will his be a mental midget.
0: It'll be like you with pissed pants on the bathroom. Yeah, that'll
1: be what it'll be like. He'll be peeing down his leg. We'll be brothers in that sense. But <laughs> I, that's the last thing I'll do. I, I think you just got to ride it out. Yeah, like go, If you're going to bring in anyone, Philip Rivers is who I'd bring in.
0: Yeah, and then that, we saw Philip Rivers yesterday. Sam Farmer, reporter of the LA Times, said – he was talking to philip rivers he's down there coaching in alabama i believe I, yeah. I, his first year as a head coach at a high school in alabama said he's not he said he wouldn't make weight if he was going to go today like he's not mm-hmm. been like training for it, but he said he wants to get back into it and potentially i return late in the season so i don't think he'd be ready anytime soon but maybe if the Colts said hey if you can get back by week six we're fucking in you know like mm-hmm. i don't know like there could be an opportunity there but at the same time too though i don't it's five to 12 weeks good chance that it could he could come back by like week one week two who knows I think you ride out Jacob Eason. Like I don't, I don't think yeah, it's smart that's... to like start to trade assets or or mortgage anything. Um, like the Jimmy G stuff. Like, mm-hmm. would you trade for Jimmy G? I don't think I would. No, yeah. If I the car and either. I said that, I tweeted this out. If the Carson Wentz injury was season ending, Marcus Mariota was the guy I like because I don't like Jimmy G's contract at all. Yeah. If like Marcus Mariota, I think you come in and honestly potentially even outperform what Wentz was capable of. We
1: just start going run heavy with just a rushing threat at quarterback. Yeah, I think with that offensive line with Jonathan Taylor would give you a higher floor, at least offensively. And you can hope you win games for the defense. But the Philip Rivers thing is interesting because, one, I mean, very similar sort of gamer traits to Brett Favre. And and it kind of retires early. And I don't think anyone says, oh, I'd come back if they really weren't getting that itch to try to come back.
0: Yeah. So I mean, he's coaching high school football and has nine kids. I think everyone and their mother would want to come back from that.
1: Exactly. What did someone tweet? Like, he finally was with his uh, – had to stay home with his kids for once in his life and was like, yeah, I want to come
0: back. I mean it's just tough, man. I think going from that NFL lifestyle to a way more sedentary lifestyle, yeah. I think you have to be like physically competitively ready for it. There's just no – and I'm sorry, I'm speaking completely not with experience, but I, yeah. I can imagine that like Philip Rivers, 17 years in the NFL – competing like every single day in training to go to like coaching high school football and yeah. watching kids like that's fucking wrong. I don't know,
1: like what is he doing talking shit to the kids
0: like yes he has to, he has to i mean he talk does have shit. enough to even start a little league yeah to probably guess, talk shit to his own kids yeah it could be all-time qb for like uh you know each, each of the guys there uh some other stuff here what has been your favorite training camp highlight so far oof some good ones my why, my f- why is it the trey lance throw yesterday that's Trey
1: Lance was- throw that was a good throw. It was cool. It was not. It was the angle of the camera and the sort of the uh was it the fill, whatever. What am I trying to say? Here? I have no idea. Just kind of the cinematography made, of it cinematography.
0: all. Cinematography
1: that made it better. But it was the Derwin James locking down Keenan Allen because for the longest time I've been of the opinion that Derwin James could just play outside cornerback and he'd be one of the best like top five outside cornerback in the NFL. That's if cool. you just threw him out there, he'd be like Jalen Ramsey when Jalen Ramsey went from safety to whatever outside corner. Yeah. I think you could see a similar thing with Derwin James and for him to just be locking down Keenan Allen. That, I'm, that's all I needed to see. Two reps. All I needed to see. I'm all in on Derwin being just CB1. I'm
0: going to keep leaning into this a little bit. Any CD Lamb training clip, Dude, training camp big. highlight has been sick. He's been a monster yeah. for the Cowboys. I think the other one I saw, Walker Little. First time I think he's been in pads since like week one, 2019, going against other human beings. Has a little run blocking rap against Caleb on chase. I got a little chippy at the back end of the whistle. Oh, I see this. Yeah, it, no, wasn't, it the... wasn't like anything special, but I like to see him get a little chippy. You know, okay. I, I see Walker Little getting a little aggressive. You, you didn't like Tim Tebow's out route? That no, I didn't like Tim the... Tebow's out route. What's been the worst training camp, <laughs> training camp clip you've seen so far? That's a great question. Oh, the
1: worst one? I'm trying to think. I feel like one-on-ones where like it's kind of a stalemate but then whoever tweets it editorializes it as like this defensive player wins it's like no it's like nothing those ones are my least favorite
0: but you can't win them all yeah All right. shall we get into the top defensive prospects in every conference we should defensive no overall I'm an idiot yeah SEC let's start with the SEC start with the SEC I'm gonna read do we wanna go one by one here let's read the top Ten? yeah, Five? I'll read the top five and then we'll read the next five. Okay. Number one, Derek Stingley Jr., cornerback LSU, obviously. D'O. DeMarvin Leal, defensive tackle, Texas A&M. He's going to be up there for a while. Evan Neal, offensive tackle for Alabama. Kyer Elam, cornerback, Florida. And then Kingsley and Nagbear, the edge defender for South Carolina. Those are your top five 2022 draft prospects um, up there.
1: So when I was going through the top 50, when I put that together, which came out a couple weeks ago, go check it out if you have not. I didn't realize that 20 of the guys are from the SEC <laughs> really and five this top five, all those guys are in the top ten on the draft board. SEC has some goddamn talent coming back. I, I mean, everyone shits on the SEC oh, they're overrated every year. oh, this team's nine and three, why are they in the top ten? Well, it's because the and if you go back through the NFL drafts and whatnot, like it's true they have the most talent like, these teams have the most draftable talent like you have teams like I don't know, if, uh, Texas A&M, who I don't think is first. going to be first or second in the SEC this season, who had five guys in the top 50. Like, like these are loaded teams in this conference, only going to get more so when Oklahoma and Texas join, obviously, but yeah, SEC. And I think they even benefited a lot. A lot of these prospects will benefit from the fact that they played full season last year when not a lot of other teams did. They played a full season and only played themselves like they only played against other good competitions so this is what is a loaded loaded conference yet again stingley though he's so good i can't so rumor is or the sort of hype around lsu is you might play offense and i've heard that too god damn i would love to see that I, I have no clue how good he'll be i just it would be incredible like we haven't seen a guy go both ways in a minute it's like kind of a dated thing i'm trying to think of even the last guy who
0: so if he does Hold play both off. ways, how many snaps do you totally think he lip sees it
1: for Michigan State? Played both ways, but it, maybe he—I'm not sure—he played
0: simultaneously. Any, yeah, any single game both. He, played, he started at receiver, and went to corner, or started at corner, and went to receiver. Yeah. Right? But I think with Derrick Stingley, like, if, even if he does play offense, I, there's no way he's playing like full time both ways. Yeah, that would be insane. That would be sick, but it. <laughs>
1: but I just get him touches, dude. Let's see it. Let's see how it goes. But he's—he's he's so damn
0: good. How close is Stingley to Elam for you? I don't
1: think it's that close, but that's nothing against Elam. It's more of just Stingley's insane. Like Stingley to for him to f- fail with how just freakishly athletic he is and how much he's already done it at the college level, collegiate level, as freshman and sophomore, is it, it would be wild to me. Like this isn't a this isn't a D milliner situation.
0: I definitely this think the player to watch this. from that first five two is Kingsley and Nagbar, the, the yes. defensive end for South Carolina. Six foot four, 270, earned an 89.2 PFF pass rushing grade this past year, and has only played. A little over 500 pass rushing snaps in his career. has never played more than 400 mm-hmm. snaps in any single season. I think this upcoming year, obviously all eyes are on Kayvon Thibodeau, the edge defender out of Oregon, who is some see as a number one overall pick. I think uh, Seth Galena, who gets into Cincinnati today, by the way. Oh, Seth Galina gets into Cincinnati today. He's staying nice. with me on an air mattress, which is going to be an absolute treat. Oh yeah, um, But <clears throat> I do think that I think you got, you're going to want to watch this kid. I think this is a good list for if you're planning your college football Saturdays by conference. Mm-hmm. Turn on some South Carolina tape this year, specifically on the defense side of the ball. Because I do think, specifically late in the season, he started to turn it on. You know, an 89.2 PFF pass rushing grade this past year. I think he's going to be a name to watch in what should be a very interesting edge class.
1: Yeah, you do it on right there. You uh, made me take off. cough. Right, I, I, I came back. King's an egg bar. He reminds me of kind of Peyton Turner from last year. Their tape was very similar in that you see... The things you want to see from a prospect in terms of the frame the athleticism the way they like the willingness to play physical now are they they look like the boses and how they rush the pass, or are they that consistent not even close Like there's a ways to go Anigbar obviously comes back to school turner so was a senior and goes to the draft but like it's enough that you you can see where they can end up and it's very high
0: level play all right, next five in the SEC. Safety, Jordan Battle, Bama. Edge defender, Adam Anderson, Georgia. Georgia's got talent on the defense side of the ball. This is going to be, I think, David Sofaro, former production assistant here on the Two one Drafts Podcast. Now, senior, no, manager, public relations manager here at PFF. Nice. He has a pick for Georgia to be the winner of the national championship this year. He, he believes in JT Daniels. And that did he, I pick them too? Did you?
1: They asked me to pick teams and I can't remember. You're uh, travesty.
0: Anyway, Adam Anderson of Georgia at the edge veteran. No, I picked
1: Oklahoma, but Georgia would be second. Yeah. Georgia's, their defense side of the ball is out of this world. Um, Adam Anderson, Kobe Dean, who's. Ninth on this list. Did you get through the whole thing? I time? didn't get through the okay. list yet. Keep going.
0: Adam Anderson, Georgia Edge, Kenyon Green, tackle out Texas A&M, N'Kobe Dean, Georgia, and then Traylon Burks, wide receiver, Arkansas. Not a lot of offensive players on this list. A lot of defensive talent in the true. SEC. Um, where I'd like to start before you get into um, Nicobe Dean. Let's start with the two Georgia guys. Adam Anderson, N'Kobe Dean. Anderson, man, is another guy. You've highlighted him, too, as a breakout candidate. 92.4 pass rushing grade this past year, but such a small sample size. He's only played 337 snaps in his career. You know Kingsley played mm-hmm. all, more than that last year. Yeah. So I do think Adam Anderson the biggest thing for him is getting on the football field and doing it across a larger sample size. But man, does he have the tools? Does he have the skills to be a legitimate difference maker? Had eight pressures against Cincinnati. Yes, it was against some some bad tackle play, but still really turned it on that game. Uh, a 92.4 pass rushing grade this past year. Mad goodness. I do think that a larger sample size, you see Adam Anderson play as he did last year. I mean, you're gonna be talking about again another legit, legit edge prospect.
1: You buried the lead there. Eight pressures against Cincinnati on twelve pass rushing snaps. Oh wow. Uh, he was
0: I did every see, time he was only in for twelve pass rushing snaps and he got eight pressures.
1: It's just every time he's on the field, like he gets a one on one. He won last year. And now George's defense, we've talked about a lot, how they preach run defense. Run first, run first. They have run Tuesdays or whatever where they just Bloody Sundays or bloody, something. Yeah. Um Bloody Wednesdays. But that's why he doesn't see the field, is he's not particularly interested in that aspect. Now, the NFL level, that can play. College level, maybe not as much. So I think they're experimenting with him off the ball because he is 6'5", 230. He is not quite your ideal edge body just yet. Now, could he get there? I think so. And obviously, even on his tape, like he is bull rushing guys. That's never really was an issue for him as a pass rusher at the college level. But... You're going to need to get a little bigger. The NFL will be 6'5". He has the wingspan. He has the frame to put on more. So we'll see where his body ends up. We'll see where his position ends up this fall. But the talent, undeniable there.
0: N'Kobe Dean, the linebacker, foot two twenty. past year, 74.3 PFF grade. Where are you at with Nicoby Dean?
1: He reminds me of a poor man's – not poor man's. He just reminds me of Devin Bush. He's a little bit smaller than Devin Bush at the moment but that level of just explosiveness of sideline, sideline ability where he could just flat out cover more ground than any linebacker, maybe in college football, the guy can fly. And he is so aggressive with how he plays. Like you don't have to, you don't have to coach up the, the taking on blocks aspect, the physical aspects of the game that some guys just don't have naturally. Dean, he plays a violent brand of football for a linebacker and he, Start well, over Montez. Field Rice. at that
0: size, yeah. and 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 obviously a defense that prioritized defending the run. Yeah. You have to have that mentality to be able to take on blocks. He,
1: he took Monty Rice's job last year, as a sophomore. Monty Rice, senior, multiple year starter. He took as the every down role, and Monty Rice then still won the third round. So he took a third round linebackers job,
0: as a true sophomore. As a true sophomore. Yeah. Kobe Dean, another name to watch, man. This get me excited. Um, let's jump to the Big Ten. Unless you want to – touch on Traylon Burks for us. It was like one of the few offensive players in there, the only skill player outside of maybe Derek Stingley obviously playing both sides of the ball. But is Burks going to be that big receiver you like or is it going to be the big receiver you shy away from? I, I think big a big receivers Cause with cause you, I think, you, never know.
1: Because I think he has the athleticism. He's 6'3", 230. He's huge. But he's also fast. Like he's probably – or just estimate based off his tape – a mid-to-low four fours guy. Like, he can change angles from safeties, from whatever. But now he's only played in the slot. He, he has been the big slot in Arkansas's offense, not obviously a super diverse uh, and the router you'd like to see from a guy that size. But I, I still think the physical tools are there to succeed uh, when you are that bigger dude. And you see it after the catch. Nine broken tackles last year on 50 catches.
0: I do think he's going to be a guy, too, that a lot of people flock to because the highlight reel is going to be stupid. Six foot three, 232. I mean, he's got contested catchability, eight of 12 last year, seven of 17 mm-hmm. the previous year. I mean, When you're breaking tackles at that size, too, I think there's going to be a lot of reasons to, like, he's going to be a highlight reel type of player. While you're talking about – And
1: he's water- producing with Felipe Franks, too. It's the other thing. It's like True. you you have, you wouldn't have didn't have Mac Jones throwing you the ball.
0: While we're talking about wide receivers, this was an undercovered story. I didn't even tweet about it. I guess I could have amplified the message but Amari Cooper told reporters he's down to 210 I think or 215 okay he said he played last year at six foot one 225 damn and he was still like yeah. I mean that is rare what he was able to do at receiver at six foot one 225 that's like a running back
1: yeah that's that's a it's like James Starks.
0: That's like rocked up right there. I yeah. was like, whoa, are we going to comment on the fact that Mark Cooper played last year at fucking 225? That's crazy. I mean, my goodness. I mean, Traylon Burks, like you said, 232, obviously a lot taller, but still, my God. All right, Big Ten. Some receiving talent in this one, man. Garrett Wilson, Ohio State. It's going to be PFS wide receiver one for the foreseeable future. But right after him, Tyler Lindbaum, the interior offensive lineman, center at Iowa. Then you have Chris Olave, wide receiver, other wide receiver at Ohio State. My guy. Safety, Brandon Joseph, Northwestern at number four. This kid is a stud. This kid, I mean, I feel like obviously I always take too much away from the interviews and you hate me for it, but man, listen to the interview. It was on uh, the previous podcast, um, the Monday episode. He is a man. He's he's going to be a dude this year. I'm really excited for Brandon Joseph. He was a dude Joseph. last year. He yeah. was a dude last year, and he was young. I think this year he's going to be a monster. And uh, the last of the five here, then we'll get to the next five, Aiden Hutchinson, Edge Defender, Michigan, Go Blue.
1: Yes, Joseph sadly didn't make the draft guy due to a internal
0: A Mike Renner error.
1: It was it said he, it said he was a freshman, true true freshman. Yeah, we had we had a, we had an
0: error there, so we effed that
1: up. But he is safety three on the draft board, uh, behind Battle of Alabama and you know our boy Kyle Hamilton, Notre Dame at number one. But but all three of those guys, so I said there hasn't been a safety draft in the first round of the last two years. I would not be surprised if all three of those guys had them in the first round. Really? I think all three of them have the NFL. That's a quote so from, right
0: there. Social's going to flock.
1: From Hamilton, Hamilton's obviously like, you know, Isaiah Simmons light. You got battles kind of your all-around size, sort of like the versatile safety that I would Also a super for.
0: smart player from and, what I see.
1: And Joseph is your single high, rangy playmaker who's not like a super risk taker like an Andre Cisco. He's just Very, very good and very athletic. Like, the guy can fly on the back end. So he's fourth on this list of the Big Ten. Could even, eh, I don't know if he pushed higher because this is a damn good, like, those guys at the top, Garrett Wilson, Tyler Lindebaum, Chris Olave, studs. But Joseph is going to be a player. The Wilson-Olave conversation is interesting to me. The Kind of the tiebreaker. Like, both are very good at what they do. Olave, I have no sort of questions about him. Olave has
0: better straight line speed yeah, than
1: Wilson. As an intermediate deep threat, I just think he's a, a tad limited. I think Wilson's better after the catch, a little better underneath, getting off the line, a little more of explosive yeah. sort of sudden player. Uh, Absolutely. Leaper. So we'll Wilson, ha- Wilson has good.
0: the dynamism, the explosiveness, the yeah. suddenness, and also like the... I, I hate to use like a Madden thing, but like the spectacular catch ability. Yeah, you don't. You he's know, a little he, higher. It's he's he's it's a little higher a little in there. Higher but Lave. then for Chris Olave, consistent, good straight line speed, like that. I mean, former track star. Like both of these guys are studs. I think they're mm-hmm. complementary too. Is the thing like they both have complementary skill sets. Very, very interested to see how they work in Ohio State's offense this upcoming year with Quinn Ewers maybe getting some snaps. Who knows? No, it's going to be obviously CJ Stroud or whoever they want to put out there. Uh, for Brad that would, be, if, that would be wild though
1: if Ewers wins the job. I, I do think There's that no whole conversation you around think could? him, to like reclassifying, is interesting. I don't really. Uh, people are up in arms about like whatever. I don't really have a problem with it, but like, I don't know. Is he going to get that much NIL money just sitting on the bench for a year? Is that?
0: I mean, no, but you could lock up contracts with the future. Yeah. Here comes sure. here comes X company, and they say, hey. We're going to pay you X amount of money right now <laughs> yeah. so that way when you are starting, you're our guy. I mean, that's going to happen literally. That could have happened last night. <laughs> yeah. That honestly could have happened last night. Um, for Brad Joseph, I wanted to add this an 88.5 PFF coverage grade. And for those who don't know, he's also that guy who had that absurd pick.
1: The one handed pick. Yeah, the one handed pick.
0: Talked about that. He said it was easy money. He said, I knew I was one on one. Will- I knew I was one on one on Wilson. I just had to make a play. I was like, fucking fair enough. And then the other thing, too, is his coach and him are big on him adding weight. He's six foot one, 192 listed. Yeah. But he, they want to get him over the 200 range, 205, and stuff like that. But yeah. if he if he does add that weight, two six one, 205, rangy, <sighs> I'm getting excited. I'm getting excited about the safety prospect, especially because we've had a Darth. I'm gonna use that word, a Dirth. Darth. Is, is that Darth? Dearth. A dearth of safety talent lately in terms of guys who could be like legit first round picks. I mean, one of our yeah. favorite guys went drafted last year. Like we need we need some safety talent. We need an injection of the Hamilton, Brandon Joseph, Jordan Battle, and I'm excited to see it. Uh, any other Aiden Hutchinson, another one of your types, lunch pail types. That's my type supposed to
1: be. <laughs> your type for
0: edge, your types for edge are those like bigger edges that okay, play like right. the Peyton Turners, the um, Zach Allens. That's,
1: Sorry, uh, I can't call a Michigan guy my type, but thank you. Um, fair enough. He's so Aiden Hutchinson, George Karloftis, who's six on this list. Yeah. Pretty good. Similar, inside outside, versatile, long. Eh, actually, Karloftis isn't that long, but like bigger power defensive ends who have that versatility, who will be, I don't want to say share things in the run game, but you feel very good about them producing in the run game. I actually like Hutchinson more on the edge, and he's more of a 3-4 defensive end by type. He'll fit in those schemes. I think Karloftis can get bigger and just play on the interior. I think that's where he's at his best. I'm excited to see him this year, because he was a little banged up last year. Only plays three games. Obviously, COVID impacted. He had a monster freshman year. He played 843 snaps and had 55 pressures. Karloftis? George Karloftis, Purdue defensive end. As a true freshman, That's those are numbers that you just don't see from true freshmen. And so we're kind of getting two years now of development to see in 2021 because we kind of missed out on 2020, seeing that. So to see what he looks like, he could come back and be dominant because he's right already now. physically manhandling dudes as an 18-year-old.
0: I'll tell you right now, Jeff Brom, Purdue head coach, on this podcast, there is not a player in the country. That got more praise than him from Brom. Brom, and they yeah. recently recruited his brother, his younger brother. I think he's a true freshman there. And they, they see these Carloftis kids are absolute grinders. I imagine both Greek of them have Greeks. tattoos of John Gruden on their back because like he, he didn't speak to his athleticism. He didn't speak to his, his size. He spoke to the like, work workout. No, he's a shit athlete. He sticks. Yeah, but yeah he, 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 <laughs> he's just can. like. This is exa- like he's, he says that classic coach speak when you land on a player like a Carl Loftus that just puts in the work. He's like he is here yeah. first, here he is, he is here last, yeah. all that stuff. He's too.
1: the Robbie Hummel of Purdue football.
0: Honestly, I think Carl you couldn't get higher praise for, from from Bram on Carl Loftus. So I do think uh, seeing this 2021 campaign will be sick. And Aiden Hutchinson too. I think Aiden Hutchinson yeah. uh, an 88.8 run defense grade this past year. Like you said, built to play that kind of three four defensive end role. Six foot six, two seventy. Um, I know a guy you liked even in the 2020 class potentially if he did if did he didn't declare. Playing. Where would you have? Put him from around. Probably like a
1: second rounder last year. Oh, really? He, he broke his leg. um And obviously, that's why he's back this year. Only two games last year.
0: Gotcha. Well, let's continue to move this train down. Jaquan Brisker, who we're working to get on this podcast, by the way, is number six or seven, seven after George Karloftis, the Penn State safety. Then you have uh, Thayer Mumford, offensive tackle of Ohio State. Rasheed Walker, Penn State. And then Haskell Garrett, defensive tackle. Oh, sorry. Rasheed Walker, tackle of Penn State. State. And then Haskell Garrett, the older. This guy's old. How old is Haskell Garrett? Older defensive tackle of Ohio State. So I think he's like 24. Yeah. Yeah. He, might be, he might be an older pro. I'm going to look up his age.
1: He might be a grad. He might be a sixth year, or he's at least fifth year. Um, but he's still another weak DT class. I think he's, he's only in,
0: 23. Okay. He'll be 24 during the draft.
1: So, yeah. A little on the older side, but he was pretty dominant in his first year. Started last year. Brisker is the interesting name to me. I'm a big fan of his. Uh, again, I think it's got to be a good safety class should these guys declare. Brisker will most definitely declare. He's a fifth year. He spent two years at JUCO. Has started, started this past year. Was a part-time player in 2019, but the dude is one of the most physical safeties in the country. And crazy stat, one missed tackle on 60 attempts last year for a safety out of this world. And when you fly that like is. a
0: bat out of hell with the hits and you're yeah. only missing you know, you're know, only missing one, that's absurd.
1: He's, oof, my watch just What's your talking problem? to me. I don't even know how that one happened. Unfortunate. All right.
0: Yeah, so over 400 snaps played, though, in each of the past two years for Penn State, an 82.0 PFF grade in 2019, 82.8 in 2020. And like you said, only one missed tackle this past year for Penn State. Here we go. We're out of the Big Ten. And we're on to Western Southern. Western Southern, people forget the sponsor here, helping the two for one drafts podcast. And these uncertain times, life is full of questions. Like when should I start thinking about life insurance? But however difficult these questions may be, Western Southern can help you answer them. Backed by over 130 years of experience. Together, we can look ahead to leave the unknown behind. Western Southern Financial Group, life insurance, retirement, and investments. We are on to the Big 12. Going to start with, obviously, number one, Spencer Rattler, quarterback, Oklahoma. Sure. Two, edge fender, Nick Benito, Oklahoma. Three, Noah Daniels, corner. On this podcast, by the way, you can listen to an interview with Noah Daniels, the top corner in the Big 12 later in the show. Number four, running back, Brees Hall, Iowa State. Five, linebacker, DeMarvion, Overshone, Texas.
1: Yeah, the Oklahoma guys we don't need to talk too much about. We've talked a ton about him. Daniels is the fun one. Only 353 career snaps so far. High-level athlete. There's a video of him cleaning. So hand-cleaning, you know what that is, where yeah. you're just flipping the bar. So, like, there's that video of was Tristan Worf's hand, hand clean like, 420 or 430 a couple times. There's a video of him hand-cleaning 390. He's a 195-pound cornerback. Lighter than that. Guy's explosive as hell for his size. Obviously, he's been ravaged with injuries. Missed all 2019 uh, with a shoulder, I believe. Missed. only played four games this past year, 2020, then towards ACL. So not not good from that perspective, but anytime he's been on the field, he's been excellent. Uh, I mean, 79.9 coverage grade in 2020 on 103 coverage snaps, only allowed six of 18 targets all season. Like He was shut down videos of him in practice that are pretty silky that got tweeted out a while ago that I would recommend watching. He's just, to me, he's probably the best – non-SEC cornerback, him and Ahmad Gardner are very neck-and-neck right at the moment for me.
0: Yeah, so Noah Daniels, biggest question mark with him is those injuries, and I talked to him in this interview about those. He said his knee will be 98% according to doctors in four weeks, and his body will be completely healed four weeks after that, 100% healthy. I think he's added a nutritionist to his game. To add some weight, they're trying to add some beef to his frame. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's also approaching the weight room and, and doing more supersetting and stuff like that. To avoid these injuries, he's trying to get better here. Because okay? he knows if he fucking stays healthy, he's going to be the best cornerback in the country.
1: Man, a nutritionist to gain weight, that seems like that just... you got to get force fed. That. That's me overnight. Like I, I, I need nothing to gain weight. <laughs> it's so easy. <laughs>
0: but you got to gain the right weight. Oh, yeah. Oh, true. But He's getting I, these fire shakes in the morning that you aren't him. You're eating terrible food in the morning. Track. I don't No,
1: I skip breakfast. I'm a breakfast skipper. Nice. Yeah.
0: Uh, you want to talk Brees Hall, DeMarvion Overshone before we get to the next six
1: DeMarvion Overshone So Brees Hall is RB1 at the moment. We've talked a lot about him. He's just very good all-around profile. I don't think he's anything. I would call him an elite athlete by any means, but he's more than good enough. He's a starter in the NFL. overshone is the interesting one. Former safety, 6'4", 220. A unique... He's basically Kyle Hamilton's size, the Notre Dame safety, but he plays linebacker. And last year was his first year starting at linebacker. A ton of plays and coverage, but he also looked like a safety-playing linebacker, like taking on blocks, trying to you know stick his nose in, stuff a running back in the hole. He's the one going backwards. It's just difficult to play. So kind of an interesting... It'll be interesting to see his growth curve and what he looks like in year two at the linebacker position where his body... What his body even looks like uh, in year two so he's kind of the unique case study there to keep an eye on for the longhorns
0: i think texas defense can be interesting because i also tavondre sweat is another guy you really like the big monster in the deep, uh, at nose we're talking mm-hmm. to him on this podcast in the near future watching his tape <clears throat> watching his tape that's another that's one of those taller shelvin types this guy's just an absolute behemoth He's added a ton of weight since high school, though. Like, you look at some of his high school photos, he's not he's not a monster. So I, I am interested to see, like, how he's put on that much weight because he's, like, looking at, like, 330, freshman 35 15. right
1: now. I mean, just got to college. Dude, he
0: added, a, like, a freshman 100.
1: The chocolate milk fountain at the – at the
0: uh, Is there a chocolate milk fountain at Texas?
1: I don't know. But, I, no, like, just at the dining hall. I used to house chocolate milk my freshman year, and I was like, oh, wait, this is actually probably <laughs> awful for me. All right, I put next. down three glasses at, at like, every meal.
0: Next Pretty five, gross. next five in the the Big Twelve here. Um, quarterback Travius Hodges Tomlinson, I think nephew of Ladainian Tomlinson. He's a cornerback there at TCU. I would say if your name's Tomlinson, you got to go to TCU, yeah. even if you're not related. I, Sorry, I agree. It's just no, the you're boss. not wrong. You're not wrong. Uh, safety Trey Sterling Oklahoma State. Quarterback Brock Purdy Iowa State. Edge defender Isaiah Thomas Oklahoma. The Clemson transfer, right? Did he transfer from Clemson? I don't think so. Damn it, Isaiah Thomas Oklahoma, and then defensive tackle Bondre Sweat, the guy brought up earlier, up Texas, the monster.
1: I still believe in Brock Purdy. I can't quit him. I, I still think he's still think there's something there for how well he played as a true freshman at Iowa State. And just for the fact that he's goddamn doing it at Iowa State. Like, they've had the best three years in program history. Now, obviously, some of that's Matt Campbell. Some of that, a lot of that, it's Matt Campbell. But I think some of it's also Brock Purdy. I think that there's something there that even though he's not a traitsy prospect, he does not have the arm that you're going to love he, he's Mac Jones caliber arm talent I, st- I still think the fact that he's doing it with not a lot of NFL talent around him and the one year he did was his true freshman year it was when he graded the highest with Dave Montgomery and Hakeem Butler he's not had a lot of guys since um, I still I'm, I'm curious to see what his 2021 will look like if he takes that massive sort of jump forward
0: What's wild too? I, every time you bring up Brock Purdy, I can't get that one pick out of my head. Remember when he threw it like backwards? Oh come on! That yeah. is the that Although is it's the, like the
1: flipped it completely across the field. That
0: was one of the worst things I've ever seen. Under pressure, yeah, I think the most common tweet copy for that was Siri show me the worst interception you've ever seen. It was rough. It was Aaron Brooks esque It really was. It was it was tough. Um. Talk to me about more about Isaiah Thomas. Obviously, I'm an idiot. I thought he was a transfer from Clemson, but he's also a former four-star recruit there at Oklahoma.
1: So, yeah. So Oklahoma had this interesting trio last year uh, along the edge. Thomas was probably looked the part the most. Like he is 6'5", long, physical dude. He's just kind of stiff at that size. And so Benito, much more flexible, much more of a speed rusher. Thomas, more of a power player. Off the edge, still kind of, I think he was the clear number three in that group last year.
0: Moving on to the Pac-12, starting with number one edge defender, Kayvon thibodeau Oregon. We've talked about him a ton. Cornerback Trent McDuffie, Washington. Then you have offensive tackle Jackson Kirkland from Washington. Four, Keaton Slovis, USC quarterback. And then number five, another USC player, Drake London, who Clay Helton is calling the next coming of Mike Evans, who Mm. from a frame perspective – it's close. Yeah. He's six foot five, two, 225. He's a monster. Um, I'm interested to see. He was Evans a four or five,
1: though. I, I'd be floored if London runs four or five. Now, it's not saying can't improve, but he's just a little slower. And he plays some slot, I think, because of that, uh, is where he plays in USC's offense. I think that's his role also at the NFL level. But I think he'd be pretty damn good in it because he has, just in terms of body control, I mean, he plays on the USC basketball team as well, or played. I'm not sure if he did this past year with COVID or whatever. But play as a freshman on the USC basketball team. You see that you know caliber of athleticism, that body control, that ability to make guys miss after the catch. He's truly one of the best after the catch in the entire draft class. But I just don't necessarily see the speed, which honestly is not that. I don't think that massive of a deal with the rest of his skill set and what he can do. So uh, I'm a fan of his. He's a top five wide receiver in his class on the board right now. But last year, 14 broken tackles and only 33 catches. It's insane. It's an insane rate.
0: How about Trent McDuffie? I think we always talk about the SEC quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. We also talk about Ahmad Garner. We talk about Noah Daniels. Trent McDuffie's another guy, though. You have what, in your top 20 right now?
1: Oh, yeah. So I messed up saying that – The Let's face No Daniels was the best cornerback outside of the SEC. No, it's it's Trey McDuffie. That's on me. McDuffie is very, very good. 41 and a half inch vertical this spring. So now I think I've said this before he's 5'11, listed at 5'11", which means maybe he's 5'9.5, 5'10. Like if you don't hit six foot, you're you're short as a cornerback. You are going to be undersized. If you're not listed at six foot in your college program, that's a problem. But when you have a 41 and a half inch vertical, that can make up for it a little bit. That, that, that helps you out a very explosive dude some of the best hips in the class one of the best tacklers in the country at the position only two missed tackles on 64 career tackle attempts he is going to be a great 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 zone corner in the nfl he just doesn't have the same sort of man skill set that the stingleys of the world the elums of the world probably have at this point point.
0: and then lastly from you keaton slovis what does he have to do for you to kind of one remove the bad taste in the mouth from last year because it was there was some ugly ugly tape in twenty twenty, but also improved to the point where he has like a legitimate first round So player.
1: you just gotta play flawless football then. You, you can't have the the turnover where you can't have the thirteen turnover where he plays in six games. He just can't be throwing the ball to the other team when you are a physically limited dude. He's not a runner and he has mediocre arm talent, mediocre arm strength. You're just like that is not his game, but he does do a lot of the little things well. He, he's probably the best pocket presence I've seen of any cornerback in this upcoming class, manipulates him really well. Like he does a lot of the little things, but man, you you just can't then throw the ball to the other team as consistently as he did throw the ball for grabs as consistently as he did. If you're going to convince people you can overcome, like I said, mediocre tools at the NFL level.
0: I do think, you know, you go back to his 2019 season. The reason he graded so well and a lot of people held him in high regard is the accuracy. He was yeah. one of the most accurate quarterbacks we really saw in college football in 2019. Joe Burrow was the only one who was more accurate. And then 2020, you saw some of that fall off. And then you see the turnover the plays pick up. And it's like, okay, this is what happens when a limited toolsy, you know, limited from a tools perspective quarterback doesn't do all the little things well. When yeah. it doesn't work out, then you start to see, you know, Keaton Silva slide down boards. And a lot of people kind of speculate can't he be that first round caliber player? All right, six through ten here. You have Jermaine Lole of Arizona State. Then you have Edgefender Zion Zion to, to <gasps> Tupuola. Fatui, Washington edge. Edge defender, Drake Jackson, another USC prospect that people are high on. Um, Then you have interior offensive lineman, Donovan West, who is moving to center this year for Arizona State. And then offensive tackle, Abraham Lucas, Washington State. A guy that probably will have the most true pass-blocking snaps Mm -hmm. of any tackle in this class. He has played a ton of football. And at Washington State, they pass the ball a fucking ton. Yeah.
1: The interesting name here to me that, sadly, I don't even know if we're going to see this fall is – CTF Zion Tupuola Fatui from Washington. So he was awesome last year. First year as a starter, junior year, four games, ninety-one point eight pass rushing grade, dominant in every single one. Twenty pressures in those four games. Was is six-three-two-eighty and plays very physical. The best bull rusher in the country last year, like bar none, in my opinion. But they tears his Achilles in April, I want to say, or. Uh, at a point in time where if he comes back this year, it's going to be a midway through the year at least. So Damn. really screwed from that perspective. I, I don't know if we even see him and if he comes back for, <clears throat> so this is his redshirt junior year. So he would have to come back for his red shirt senior year then, which sucks because his tape was so much fun to watch last year. But yeah, I, I don't see, I, I just don't see how he can come back from an Achilles play well enough in four or five games, whatever he's going to get. To get his draft stock into a point where he would want it to be, so that's the that's the the sad one for me. But Jermaine Lole is the one who he might end up as DT one in this class. Arizona State defensive tackle. He is probably about six foot tall, but very athletic. Plays with very good leverage, and, and is and yes, he's only six one. He's three ten. Like he is not small. He is l- enormous for a six foot tall human being. So those are the intriguing guys on that's half of the list for my for me
0: i do think jermaine Lole too is a, is the the first step stuff that you see on his tape i think is very good i'm a big fan of Lole. Mm-hmm. and arizona state watch a ton of arizona state prepping for herm edwards interview that we never aired
1: herm edwards is a big fan of him too even though you guys wouldn't know that yeah yeah should we tough. just air it should
0: we, we just... should just air it we should just air it even though i feel like it was it was it was a, it was a little decision. dramatic i it was, was like too dramatic way wh- too dramatic
1: when when uh whatever those allegations came out i like read them i'm like i yeah, just stare at it, whatever it's yeah. not like next time
0: oh, next one of these podcasts will air because we still have it it's yeah. still sick all right um moving to the acc and you added notre dame to this list
1: because they were in the acc but they're not going to ever be again hopefully
0: kyle hamilton not safety notre dame again. number one obviously ahead of sam howell yes Deal what's your it. problem <laughs> sam howell quarterback unc at two then you have the monster hashtag most fun to watch Interior offensive lineman in college football right now. EK Mikwanu of NC State. Then you have Andrew Booth, cornerback cle- uh, Clemson. Justin Ross, wide receiver Clemson. Talked to Jakari Robertson last night. It's going head-to-head with, with Ross trying to be the best receiver in the ACC. Ooh. We'll see how it goes. But that's your first five of the 2022 draft prospects in the ACC.
1: Yes. It, it's yes. <laughs> Kyle Hamilton is – I was responding to Kyle Hamilton over Sam Still, Yes. Uh, Hamilton's that good. Now – Could Howell with a big 2021, you know, like we've said, without the receiving talent that he's been blessed with there over the course of his career? Could he he make his way higher? Of course. But I, I don't see Hamilton really falling off of what we've seen from him on tape because it's been that good through two years. I mean, as a true freshman, on 250 coverage snaps, he allowed seven of 23 targets, had four picks and five pass breakups. Then this past year, 31 targets, six more pass breakups and a pick. The ball production... So for his career, fifty four targets, eleven pass breakups on those and five picks. That is insane ball production for a safety. And let alone one who's six foot four, two twenty and can rush the passer at a high level, can take on blocks already. Like this guy's he's your he's your Derwin James, Jamal Adams, mold safety that those guys you know, Jamal Adams went sixth in the draft. I, I fully expect that's where Hamilton went. That range is where Hamilton wound up.
0: I also feel like with with top prospects like Hamilton, we rarely bring them up as fun to watch players. But man, you're, he's a guy that he makes a spl- he makes consistently makes splash plays both in coverage and against yeah. the run. Physical tackler. I do think again it, it comes back to this. It's been a while since we've seen some fucking legit safety play in college. Like seeing some like legit safety prospects. Like multiple guys, like you said, Hamilton, Battle. Joseph all could be you know top twenty top thirty picks in twenty twenty two and they've played like it they've you've seen some mm-hmm. of those splash plays I'm excited to see it man this is gonna be sweet let's talk a little bit more about Justin Ross where are you at with him where is he in this receiving class and I guess you know because he's another one of those big body guys like what, yes. what's your take on Ross?
1: I, I was never enthralled with him as a even before uh, so obviously he had fusion uh, neck fusion surgery before prior to last season it was congenital whatever. In his neck, he didn't have any injury. It's just like they, the doctors found it, had to fuse it. His career was in jeopardy. Uh, will be coming back, though, this upcoming fall. Missed all of 2020. Coming back this year, 1,000 yards as a true freshman, had that massive season. But then the next year, I think you started to see the fact that – Poking defenses realize he just doesn't have that vertical threat. He is not a speedster. The plays he's making down the football field are pretty much all contested.
0: So of his... It's a very high percentage of contested targets. Yeah,
1: 25 contested targets back in 2019. Only caught 11 of them. He's 6'4", 205. He's not... Like, that's going to be his game. And again, so I, said so London has... So we talked about Drake London, similarly sized wide receiver. London has the after-the-catch ability, and my opinion just better body control. And so Ross, I don't think, has nearly that yak ability and still has the same speed concern. So that's why I'd lean far more towards London than Ross. But I'd like to be proven wrong, obviously, this fall. Obviously, those were early on tapes in his career to be basing this off of as a freshman sophomore.
0: Yeah, that freshman season, a 91.4 PFF grade, caught 6 of 13 contested car- targets over 1,000 yards receiving in that season. I do think that they contested Not stuff over. to... Huh? Exactly 1,000 yards. Exactly 1,000 yards? Yeah. Oh, wow. He did have exactly 1,000 yards. I think yards.
1: that was the highest yards per route of any season we've seen. Yeah,
0: it was like a little over it four. Was
1: almost five. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Insane. Uh, next five here on the ACC. Tyler Davis, defensive tackle, Clemson, Jarrett Patterson, interior offensive lineman, Notre Dame, Alex Lindstrom, younger brother of Chris Lindstrom, Boston College, another interior offensive lineman. Then you got safety returning to Miami, Bubba Bolden. Then running back, Zonovan Knight, running behind Akeem Ikuanu at NC State.
1: Yes, the talent, the draft talent we saw in the SEC or ACC, excuse me, last year, kind of fallen by the wayside a touch. Not quite there. Uh, But, like, these guys are, are... Some of these might be day three guys at this point. So that's... Not so bueno. I think the interesting ones here are the interior offensive linemen, Patterson and Lindstrom. Probably the, the two best pure centers in this class behind Tyler Lindebaum. Um, plausible, plausible day two picks on both.
0: Fair. Okay. All right. Group five. Group of five. Number one, obviously. Quarterback, Malik Willis, Liberty, two. Ahmad Sas Gardner, the corner out of U- uh, University of Cincinnati. Wide receiver, Romeo Doves, Nevada. Carson Strong, quarterback, Nevada. And then number five, edge defender, Majay Sanders. My guy, Majay Sanders, Cincinnati. A guy that, man, if he goes out and does what he's capable of from a tools perspective, like his tools, yeah. his length, his explosiveness, and is objectively the best edge defender in the group of five. I mean, we're talking about a first-round player. But he needs to show up. Like, you need to put it all together. When you're going against group of five competition, you need to have Chase Young final year at Ohio State-like seasons. Like, you need to have that level of dominance every single week because the question becomes, if you're not, why? If Maju Sanders, with all the tools he has, and everyone's going to talk about his speed and his length and all that stuff, why weren't you dominant at University of Cincinnati? The coaching there is fantastic the the they have a fantastic secondary to give him time to get to the passer the, yeah. to the passer. I do so. think that MyJ Sanders like the opportunity is there it's for him to take it.
1: Yeah. I I think he still, will still end up back end or early second round. Back end of the first or early second round cuz he's he has those tools. Like he has what the NFL is looking for. Gardner is the interesting one because i think just the competition he's gone against has been so just meh throughout his career that yeah he can beat him up by being you know this bully that kind of just plays this overly physical game because he's super long um a unique corner in his own right at 6'2, 190 i'm curious to see that he's been posting these videos on instagram of him lifting and whatnot and looks bigger but I would just be curious to see how much bigger he is this upcoming season because if he's got like 6'2, 205, I mean, that is a horse of a corner. And that'll be a lot of the man teams that you know, use those bigger cornerbacks to play matchups will be in the market for his services.
0: And I think the physicality stuff, the penalty stuff we talked about, Gardner is coachable. Yeah. And I think the, I saw Matt Rule yesterday talking about JC Horn saying he's too grabby, he's too physical, he's got to calm down like that. Like you need to address it. Like you can you can go to the you can go into the NFL and be grabby and be physical. As long as someone's coaching you up to get better there, like you can be put in a better position. And Horn obviously has the athleticism and the tools to like, once he is less grabby, to stick with guys. I think Gardner obviously needs a big combine to show that he can do that as well. All right. Last six here in the group of five, and then we'll jump to the interviews at the back end of the show here. Remember, interviews with Kansas State head coach, Chris Kleiman. We talk a little Deuce Vaughn, Tyler Thompson. We got Troy linebacker, Carlton Marshall, guy going after the Nagurski Award this year. And then TCU cornerback, Noah Daniels, talking through his injury history and what he's got planned for 2021. He also, Quentin Johnson, this TCU wide receiver. He's like, oh, buddy, you're not ready for this kid. Ooh. He's a big breakout candidate, according to Anthony Trash. Uh, I think he's going to be a true sophomore. Maybe. I think, I think, I think. But, yeah. oh, man, he's going to be sick. Uh, last six here. Isaiah Likely, tied end at Coastal Carolina. Alami Fajoko, defensive end, San Jose State. Back into San Jose State. Remember Boogie? Boogie from San Jose State. We had a high break. Boogie Roberts? Defensive tackle? You liked Boogie. You're telling me you didn't like Boogie Roberts? At, you don't remember San Jose State? Boogie Roberts? It Boogie Roberts. Never mind. Never mind. All right. Uh, Dylan Parham, offensive tackle Memphis. Running back, Tyler Algier, BYU. And then Jalen Tolbert, Tolbert. Wide receiver, South Alabama. Probably not Tolbert. But uh, start with Isaiah Likely. I like this guy. I
1: know. I do too. <laughs> I, I just want to know how much he ways like he he's out there for coastal caroline on the tight end running routes like a wide receiver and yeah he's obviously bigger than their wide receivers but he you wouldn't pick him out right away and be like okay yeah that's a tight end you might just think i mean he doesn't look that much bigger than say a traylon burks the arkansas receiver wide receiver who we just talked about six three two thirty um 6'3", three, three, just that's not going to fly at tight end. Now, he's listed at 6'4", 2'40", but we've been fooled before by you know, college, whatever ADs pumping up their dudes. So I, I do I think that's the biggest thing with him is just to keep getting stronger because right now he's tight end in name only. You'd get laughed at if he lined up in line in the NFL right now, but the receiving ability is there. The after the catch ability is there. Reminds me a lot of a... Hunter Bryant coming out of Washington where it's just, can he continue to get bigger and still be athletic? Hunter Bryant could not. Likely. Likely could?
0: Likely. We'll see. That's going to be a, uh overplayed thing there. Yeah. Um, the other guy I like from this list is Algier. I know running backs don't matter, but he's a fun He's a fun player. He runs like... He reminds me a little bit of Jamal Williams from BYU. Jamal, he, likes a, he just runs like a monster. I think he yeah. runs like a freaking bowling ball. And I think that obviously... I'm not predicting Algier is like a top 50, top 75 player, but still, you chase these running backs that just run hard, run tough. I think he's a, he's a, he's going to be hashtag fun to watch for BYU this year. Oh, shit. What was
1: my comp for him in the draft guide? I wish I could remember because I, th- I feel I like have I have the liked draft guide pulled
0: up. I always do. It's get always
1: great. Get, get the comp I had for him in the draft guide pulled up because I feel like I liked it because he is a, he's like 230. Jordan an- Howard. Enormous dude. Yes. Okay. And just one cut and gets upfield and he's not gonna just ever, thumping. Dude. He's not gonna ever try to make you miss. He is not going to <laughs> ever try to like put a give you a spin, shake. Spin, shake, whatever. He is going to just know that at full speed, you're gonna either have to hit him dead square up or you're gonna bounce off him because that's how just loaded his legs are. So yeah, Jordan Howard comp, I think is the The one guy one last guy I want to touch on. Viliami Fujoko, defensive end San Jose State. Get to know the name. 87.0 overall grade last season. One of the most physical defensive ends in college football, that was as a, uh, I believe, a redshirt sophomore last year. So he's going to be a redshirt junior. There are plays of him on tape where he is just throwing guys around. And I, and I think he has the traits, too, to like sneak into the early-round conversation. He's not just a high-effort guy, but the effort and the sort of way he plays the game is off the charts. So big fan of his. Remember the name Ville Fajoco out of San Jose State.
0: Hell yeah. All right, that's going to do it. We went through some names, man. That's fun. Should we get you prepped for college football season when you're turning on the games, man. I'm excited. Uh, Now let's jump to interviews with Kansas State head coach Chris Kleiman, Troy linebacker Carlton Marshall, and TCU corner Noah Daniels. Support for PFF is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming champions of the world. I've been using it for a while now, Mike, and – honestly i don't think i've had a better life since getting manscaped the shave down
1: low you say you don't think you've had a better life Oh, okay
0: i don't think i have i I think this is a new per i'm a new person i'm a new human being i shower differently i sleep differently i party differently because of
1: manscaped i will say if you're an adult male in the summertime and you haven't at least trimmed your pubes you're disgusting that's what better smell the sweat it's you're you're a psychopath.
0: And what better tool? Not the lawnmower 1.0, 2.0, 3.0. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Just launched their fourth-generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. Join over two million men worldwide who just who trust Manscaped. With this exclusive offer to you, 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code PFF at manscaped.com. Manscaped engineered the ultimate groin and body trimmer by focusing on intelligent functionality and an incredibly comfortable grooming experience. Their fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. I now feel confident shaving my boys. Did I mention wireless I was charging? Did I? New wireless charging system uses electromagnetic induction, which can help battery length last longer. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code PFF at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. And use code PFF. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for your family jewels with Manscaped. Now joining the 2 for 1 Drafts podcast is current Kansas State head coach, Chris Kleiman. Chris, great to have you on the show.
2: Appreciate it. Thanks for having me today.
0: You know, where I'd really like to start is honestly the quarterback position. You know, we at PFF this past year graded Skylar Thompson really well on a limited snap count, of course, but he has improved from a pre- pff grading perspective every year of his career there at Kansas State, graded super well in PFF system, top 15 figures in clean pocket passing grade, also accuracy on downfield throws. But what I'm interested to hear from you is what do you feel is this kind of next step for Skylar Thompson? How does he take his game forward in 2021?
2: Well, he's healthy for starters, and we lost him early in the season last year in in game three and uh, playing at a high level, did some really good things against OU and was having a good game against Texas Tech when he got hurt. Um, But I think that year off and having him still be a part of the game plans, having him help Coach Messingham and Coach Klein with some um, some passing game stuff and having him still be in the meeting rooms and and having a full year where he wasn't going to play but was still able to process everything. And where he's improved so much is identification of things on defense, whether it's coverages, whether it's disguises, pressures, whatever it may be. Um, We feel like we're going to even be able to add more to his plate this year as far as making adjustments and changes at the line of scrimmage. But uh, we're excited about Tim. He's he's a grown man playing quarterback in uh, in the Big 12 for us. We're excited about uh, having him back.
0: That's awesome. You know, I've talked to a lot of coaches this preseason. You know, something I like to bring up is, you know, what do you feel is the most important trait or attribute for the quarterback position? And you talk to some of these coaches, they you know, fourth quarter mentality, things in the clutch. A lot of coaches mentioned accuracy and, and, and being consistent and timing. What immediately comes to mind when you think about those necessary, straight, necessary traits or attributes for a standout quarterback at the collegiate level?
2: Well, I think the number one attribute is leadership and making everybody around you better. And that's something that Skyler does. And that's just not on the offense, but on the defense and team collectively. He's the pulse of our football team. He's the guy that everybody goes to um, when we have to make a decision on some stuff. And and he does, he makes the receivers better. He makes the line better, makes the tight ends and running backs better. And and his leadership is off the charts. And uh, he's been here a while. He knows us as coaches really well. And so I think he feels comfortable in that, in that role as well.
0: You know, another player I'm really excited about offensively is Deuce Vaughn, another guy that's graded really well, according to PFF. five, foot five 168 pounds. Not sure if he's added any weight this offseason, but he's a nightmare, a nightmare for opposing defenses in the open field. Do you expect Deuce to kind of continue to have a prominent role in the offense, both as a pass catcher and a runner? I know at Media Day you spoke to, there there's people, you know, their teams double teaming him at this point, trying to stop him. And what are you doing different this year to kind of find more unique ways to get him the football?
2: Without a doubt, he's special, and uh, he's he's special with the ball in his hands. He's special off the field as well. He's one of our best leaders, uh, another one of our kids that guys look up to, but we're going to find different ways of getting the football, and what I mainly said at, at media day was the fact that he's so dynamic out of the backfield, and, and, yeah, we whether we move him around, motion him out, or just run routes out of the backfield, he's really special there, but where he's underrated is as a pure running back. Uh, and, and I see it in practice every day, and we saw glimpses of it um, last year as well. With us having the ability to open things up and throw the football much better this year, uh, it's going to open more things up for him in the run game, and uh, he's going to he's gonna have to be a guy that's going to have, we hope, 15 to 25 touches uh, minimum per game, and there's going to be games where he could have more.
0: Talk to me more about him off the field because I'm fascinated by him as a player, obviously being a smaller back, sometimes difficult to make a big name for yourself in college football, but he's done that and then some, you know, what's he like in the weight room, the film room, and I know he has a really good relationship with Skylar Thompson as well.
2: Yeah, Uh, he's put on some weight, you know, he's in that mid 70s now, uh, and uh, very strong, great, great vision, great lower body, Uh, but guys just gravitate to him if he's in the locker room. (laughs) He's holding court and people are coming over. It doesn't matter if you're a freshman or if you're a senior. He's got the ultimate respect of, of our fourth and fifth year senior guys. And this is a kid that's a, a true sophomore uh, that has that ultimate respect. And it's how he conducts himself off the field. He's a great student. He's very active in our community. If there's something we're doing in our community, he's the first guy to volunteer. Uh, he's around the offices. He, he comes in and visits with coaches and stuff. And he's just always has a smile on his face and he's got great energy.
0: Man, that's fantastic. Receiving core, Malik Knowles, Phillip Brooks, I know you're expecting big things from them this upcoming year. Brooks already a fantastic returner for Kansas State. You know, where specifically does their game have to improve you know, to help Thompson and also help you know, take some pressure or attention away from Deuce?
2: Well, Malik's got to be healthy for us. He wasn't healthy uh, for a good chunk of last year, and he finally got healthy the last few weeks of the season and had a couple of really big games against Baylor and Texas. And we need to make sure he stays healthy. He's put some weight on. He's put some strength on. Um, his durability is going to be key for us. Uh, Phillip, we have to find more ways to get the ball to in the in the, the pass game. Uh, he's an exceptional returner, but he's getting so much better as a route runner and understanding concepts. But we have to find ways to take pressure off of those guys too, whether it's Sebastian Taylor, uh, whether it's Cade Warner, uh, different kids that, that, that have a role that um, we think can really be expanded this year so that we can spread the ball around.
0: We talk so much on offense, but I know you're a former defensive backs coach. I'd love to hear, you know, you must be thrilled to have Eco Boyado returning after what was honestly a breakout campaign for him. You also have some other standouts on this team in the defensive backfield, Julius Brents, Justin Gardner. What are your expectations for this group in 2021?
2: Well, we have to be much better than we were in 2020. That was an area that we struggled in the secondary, and part of it was a revolving door. We had kids in and out of the lineup the entire season and didn't practice, and that's, that is what it is. But we've got to be better back there. We've added some transfers. Uh, you mentioned Julius Brents, who is a 6'3", 205-pound corner, which you need to have in this league. Um, Rush East, who started, I think, 33 games at Louisville, will give us some great depth there as well. Uh, Echoes uh, really came into his own last season. Justin Gardner did. Uh, we have a kid back that played a couple games that we thought really highly of in TJ Smith that was lost for the year for the a- from an ACL early in the season. He's back. So we have more depth back there in the secondary, but bottom line, we have to tackle better and we have to eliminate explosive plays.
0: You know, I'm going to kind of hit on the same question I asked with quarterbacks, especially because you have so much experience. You know, we, you are a former defensive back and have coached defensive backs for a long time. What do you feel are kind of these uncoachable necessities for top flight corners, whether that's athleticism, size, and those things? And then where do you think every single cornerback can improve or develop the most with the right system, or with the right coaching?
2: Well, confidence is the one thing that they have to have because it's not going to be a great play every play for those guys. And they've got to be mm-hmm. able to have a short term memory. Uh, but they have to be very physical. They have to be uh, extremely good tacklers. And the ball is going to go up in the air. And so you have to be able to make plays on what everybody calls those 50-50 balls. And and for us in the secondary, they need to be 80-20 balls. They need to be us for 80 of it. And a kid may make a great play on you. But uh, uh, we've got to win those battles. And, and that's something that we've increased the competition with with recruiting. But we've also increased the competition at practice doing some of those uh, you know, deep ball or even intermediate passes, where it's it's uh, mono on mono, and you've got to be able to make plays.
0: Absolutely, I want to get a little bit more high level with some of these questions here. Obviously, you know, vaccination is something that's being talked about a ton, both at the collegiate level and the NFL level. How are you approaching that as a whole? Vaccination rates and those things with your team, and can you speak to just the success you've had and and the communication that you've had so far?
2: Yeah, we made a big push uh, once we got to about April. Most of us as coaches were able to get the the vaccine in either late March or early April. And then uh, once spring ball ended, we started really pushing our players to it. They were able to get it at that time. Uh, I think we're at about 80% right now. So we're in a good position, Uh, but we also know that there's 20% of our guys that haven't had it and we can't mandate, we're not going to mandate it, but we still need to make sure that uh, um, we're well aware that, you know, we're a positive T- test away from having a little bit of an outbreak and, and we have to still educate our guys. Um, you know, there's going to be some times, who knows, are, are they going to put masks back in indoors for meetings and stuff? I'm not sure what will happen, but our doctors, our medical staff here have done a phenomenal job of educating the guys. Uh, and, you know, each week we seem to trickle a few more guys in that uh, that do get vaccinated, but um, we're, we sit in a good place, but I know we can always be better.
0: Gotcha. And last one for you, coach. Obviously, you know, the new NIL rules in college football are changing nearly everything about the game. You see, you know, that number one quarterback prospect could potentially, you know, leaving high school early to join Ohio State with the NIL, NIL rules in place. What has been your you know, biggest reaction at Kansas State to that implementation? How do you really, how do you feel this is really going to impact college football over the next two, three, four years?
2: Well, it's going to have a huge impact, without a doubt, and and we're doing well at Kansas State. I'm excited that they were able to put in an NIL in there for the for the guys and gals because they deserve the opportunity to make some money. And uh, a, a city like Manhattan's a great example because uh, you live in Manhattan, you're and you're a K-State athlete, man. You're you've got a lot of things. You're you're pretty much royalty around here, and so you got <laughs> opportunities. Um, and and I've seen it with our own guys. We've had a few guys that have that have had some uh, opportunities to make some money and then they take some, some of their buddies out to eat or something. So um, I think it's gotta be a shared uh, situation. Um, I'll be interested to see over it, over the next year, how it does transform or, or you know, can we avoid missing meeting times and practices because of things going on? Can we avoid, uh, you know, I, I'm not a big, I don't agree on the guys that are making seven figures on it. I don't think that was the intended purpose for this. Mm-hmm. But, help facilitate get some money for guys um and maybe there are some deals that can be um, pretty lucrative for kids uh but um it's a lot to manage for an 18 to 22 or 23 year old and so i'm all for it i think they deserve the opportunity to get some money let's see how this year plays out
0: 100 percent couldn't agree with you more coach really appreciate the time and i wish you the
2: best of luck this season appreciate it thanks for having me
0: Now joining the two foreign drafts podcast is current Troy linebacker Carlton Marshall, a no star recruit in 2017 goes to, you know, walks on at Troy was uh, obviously had an uber successful season with Troy early in your career there. I think you were named what true freshman, uh, Sunbelt player of the year. Now entering this upcoming season, you recently graduated. Congratulations on graduation, graduating, and also the Sunbelt preseason defensive player of the year. Carlton, great to have you on the show.
3: Yes, sir. It was wonderful having me. Thank you.
0: Where I'd like to start, man, is honestly, let's let's turn back the clocks a little bit and think about or, or talk about what positions you played in high school. I know you played in the high school in Alabama. I think it was McGill-Tool in high school. What positions did you play? And then what all kind of led to you walking on at Troy while you made that decision? I think that high school is what? Roughly a three-hour drive away from where you're from. I'm interested to hear kind of what positions and what you did in high school and then what all led to you walking on at Troy. You
3: no, know, uh, Freshman year, I came in as a running back. But when they get, the game got kind of close, they would let me uh switch sides, play both sides, you know, play linebacker and get a little taste of that. But yeah, sophomore year, my coaches gave me a decision. You have to choose one side of the ball, offense or defense. And it took me a few days, but I told coach, hey, d- defense it is for me. So how, how that came about after my high school career, I looked at it as, yeah, I had offers such as North Alabama, Valdosta State, West Florida, smaller D2 schools. And I just felt that, me personally, after my high school career, I deserved a bigger shot. So, we're long talking to my parents right the night before signing day. They said, you know, we'll back you anything, we'll back you with anything you do. So, I walked on to Troy, and it's been history since then.
0: Yeah, I mean, you earned your scholarship at Troy in August 2018. Talk me through that experience before, obviously, walking on at Troy and all, all that had to go through there. I know you obviously had to work your ass off to get to the point you were. And then I know there's a video of it on YouTube somewhere, but that moment when you were finally offered the scholarship at Troy, walk me through that process and obviously that, that final moment there.
3: You know, uh, when I first got there, of course, you know, it's going to be hard for a walk on, you got to go through all, all every little uh, detail, you got to make sure everything is on point your walk on and that many more eyes are on you just waiting for you to you know mess up or anything like that Mm -hmm. so going into that year i looked at it as okay i have to do some self-reflecting because i'm coming from mcgill my high school career being the top dog in my school to being the bottom of the totem pole so you know working i really had to do that just day in and day out everything was stressful i even contemplated on deciding if i should still play football or not so having that discussion with my parents you know they gave me the best advice anyone's ever gave me when it comes to the sport you know why did you start the sport that's what they asked me why did you start the sport what made you love football and after I got that question out of the way I knew I mean this was for me so yeah it was just a hard road but you know getting that scholarship that moment it was just big I felt like all my hard work has paid off but I knew it wasn't over from there I still have to you know show prove myself to the team as well as my coaches.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think in addition to obviously, you know, the walk on hurdle that presents itself, I mean, I'd be interested to hear more about how you specifically, you know, overcome what is a size disadvantage. You know, what, what, five foot 10, 210, you know, there are you know, a lot of people I'm sure, and you're even before you walked on at Troy, has mentioned things like too small, too small, not big enough. And I'm interested to know, like, what you, you, what, how you've, overcome that size disadvantage I guess what other things do you address or attack to kind of make up for it is it film study is it weight room is it these different things I'm interested to know kind of how you attack that or prioritize kind of overcoming that size disparity
3: you know um, everyone like you said everyone talks about my size oh no he's too small but what I what I make what I what I lack in height and weight I make up with speed quickness and twitch as well as aggressiveness you know film study helps me a lot helps me to recognize plays earlier and reading my keys that's really the big part of it but really just the quick twitch the aggressiveness at the point of attack I feel like that's really what they really that's really what helps me out.
0: Yeah, speed, quick twitch, that all shows up on tape. But I'm sure, you know, sometimes maybe it doesn't show up on tape, but I'm sure as a part of your process is a very deep, rich preparation schedule. Walk me through, you know, how much film you're watching and what specifically you're looking for when you're watching an opponent or even, you know, turning back the film on yourself in a given game week. What specifically do you look for? And I guess how much do you prioritize, you know, the film room?
3: Oh, the film room's the first priority. You know, the first thing I watch is the O-line. I watch who, I figure out who's their best O-linemen, their favorite pass at tackles, as well as, you know, play recognition, the guards, how far are they back? Like, what foot is up? Like, just little stuff like that, you know. Those things can really help you out on the field. You know, I have one specific time that pops in my head it was uh, Arkansas State, I believe two years ago. Every, every time they motioned a player to the boundary, they would always throw a quick slant. And it was like, it was third and five. So I kind of read that and intercepted the ball. So yeah, that film study, plays a huge part and a huge role in what I do out there on the field.
0: Gotcha. I, I had to imagine that. I'd be interested to hear, too, um, kind of what your goals are for this season. I know you mentioned uh, at Media Day that you want to be more of a vocal leader. How, how, how has that gone for you so far this off season? And I guess, why do you feel it's so important that you do step up in that regard and be that vocal leader for the defense there at Troy?
3: You know, uh, these past years, we were wondering what was the big problem? You know, why are we, we have the talent, we have everything, everything is together. It was just that one, one factor, that one leader that this team needed, you know, that one guy that's not afraid to, you know, rub some people the wrong way, you know, go out there and just jump on somebody and, you know, get everybody going. You know, that that's really what this team needed. And I felt like that's what I had to be for this team to be successful. And my coaches say, they uh, see me getting better and progressing as the, as the summer has ended now is about to go into fall camp. So they said, they're really proud of me and they're really, they're, um, <clears throat> I'm sorry.
0: sorry. All good. Yeah,
3: <laughs> they're really proud of me and they see me, uh, growing, but you know, it doesn't stop here.
0: Last thing for you, I really appreciate the time, Carlton. Obviously, winning the Sun Belt is high on your list, but do you have any other specific goals for yourself this season, specific stats, specific accolades, awards? Is there something that at the end of this year you want to have specifically for you?
3: You Specifically for me, you know, know, just to lead the nation in tackles once again. The Burlsworth Trophy, that's high on my list because knowing that I became a walk-on, that's just a, I want to say a special fraternity, that you know walk-ons, that special place in my heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, the bendicart. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. The risky. <laughs> all of that. Yes, sir. I would love to, love to have those. But like you said, definitely the some one of the sumba championship is a first on my priority list.
0: This has been fantastic, Carlton. I really appreciate the time, and I wish you the best of luck moving
3: forward. Oh, thank you. No problem.
0: Now joining the 2 for one Drafts podcast is current TCU defensive back Noah Daniels. I should say cornerback, one of the top cornerbacks expected to enter the 2022 NFL draft. It's great to have you on the show, man.
4: Yeah, thank you, and it's an honor to be here. We're
0: going to turn turn back the clock a little bit. Former three-star recruit, number 10 corner coming out of Texas. I think you originally committed to Baylor, then flipped your commitment yeah. to TCU. Talk to me about that decision. Why would you originally commit to Baylor, and then why would you ultimately end up you know, playing for the Horn Frogs?
4: Uh, really throughout the whole process, my whole, my whole mind frame was kind of in that three to five hour range Mm -hmm. anyways, from home and, uh, Baylor offered me first at the time. So I committed to Baylor, but then, uh, I went to TCU camp and then, but TCU stayed in contact with me before I even committed to Baylor. So it's not like, you know, they just Mm -hmm. got nowhere. They've been interested in me. I just never got offered till later. But gotcha. when they hit off me, it was I flipped instantly. Mm-hmm. So I knew that that's really where I wanted to go truly. And I, I like I like the proximity from home really. I like uh, the fact that Coach Patterson does what he does and is able to produce and develop how he does. So I just I just thought it was the best fit for me, honestly.
0: Yeah, Patterson is a guy that, you know, we at PFF are also really high on. Yeah, three-star recruit. Still had a lot of offers from Blue Blood programs, Missouri, Notre Dame, Oklahoma. And then in your time here at TCU, you've only, you know, looking at, you know, what you've played. 353 defensive snaps played in your collegiate career. Obviously missed 2019 due to injury. And then the COVID-abbreviated season. You also had another injury in 2020. I think everyone's asking, this kid, when healthy, is a freaking monster. But how healthy are you right now? And how are you kind of shifting your mindset or shifting your Practice schedule is shifting how you're approaching the weight room to stay healthy entering 2021.
4: Right now, i met. I just actually went to the doctor, uh, they sent me over to the doctor two two days ago, I want to say. Mm-hmm. And uh based on his evaluation, he predicts in four weeks my uh my right knee, which is my surgery knee, mm-hmm. would be just like the left one. So basically hundred percent. No, he he said in four he said in four weeks it would be ninety-eight percent gotcha and he said he said in about four weeks from then i should be 100% healed but uh as far as like competition wise they've been holding me out of some stuff but i've been going against live reps i've been i don't i don't really do anything different than the other team with running lifting anything else
0: gotcha and so for that for that right knee what was that injury specifically
4: uh it was ACL, it was, it was isolated ACL.
0: Gotcha, awesome. Um, well, that's good that you're going to be 98 percent healthy in four weeks, and then obviously four weeks from that, 100 percent healthy. Do you expect to then start the season out of the gate, week one, ready to rock and roll?
4: Yeah, he told me. I asked, me, asked him that question. He, I said, do you think I'll be ready for game one? He said, most definitely for game one.
0: Like, oh hell yeah, the, dude! Doctors got our backs here. No, Daniel's playing week yeah. one for TCU, man. That's that's awesome yeah. to hear. Yeah, so, I'm,
4: I'm lucky. I'm lucky being up here in Fort Worth with, with Dr. Singh because I had. Having one of the best doctors in the area, it, it helps being in the metric place. But
0: yeah, that, that's it, awesome it, to hear, man. And, and so it, I know I know you added a nutritionist recently, helping you put on weight and also another way you're prioritizing trying to stay healthy. How has that process been? What foods have you had to cut out and, uh, and, and so forth?
4: It's really more so I cut out junk food, but it wasn't really more so – I wasn't really eating enough or enough of the right stuff, I guess. And it was just like I couldn't maintain the constant weight. So, uh, my nutritionist, I got, I got a nutritionist, we got the, uh, the high calorie shakes, you know, I drink at the workouts and, uh, I told her like, sometimes, sometimes I can't eat in the mornings. So like, sometimes I don't eat breakfast. We got the, uh, shakes. So now I drink the shakes in the morning, which is like, replace the calories. It's like, we, we could like, she suits well to like a thousand calories. you need to but like, Oh, wow. You know, yeah. Like she, like it's however I many, she, whatever weight I'm trying to stay at and right now, it's about one ninety three, one ninety four. And right now I'm about 191.5, 192 ish. Oh, okay. But, but so it's been working, but it had it really started when I had dropped to one eighty eight and I am like, yeah, I'm not one eighty. So <laughs> right when I right when that happened they got me with nutritionist and then ever since then I've been able to maintain and keep that weight.
0: that's awesome, man. so you plan to play this season at what, one ninety three, one ninety four? Yeah. Gotcha. And, and are you approaching the weight room differently or are you doing anything different in the weight room or in the rehabilitation process yeah, yeah. to try and I, keep things going?
4: I, yeah, I do everything they do. And then in between sets, like, because we work out in sets of three, but my workout group has two. So after, so we'll go one set, two set. I have a whole free set to do nothing. So I use that set to do a lot of single leg quad stuff. A lot of things that you need for ACL uh I do a lot of hamstring stuff uh stuff to help with breaking which because you know with the ACL it's to repair it it's prepared with your tendon, tendon. so I do a lot of you know uh single leg stuff break gotcha. I do a lot of rehab stuff every after after I just went to rehab I do a lot of rehab stuff in workouts so that's yeah. I, I try my best to, to, to make sure it's going to be it's going to be ready
0: Makes a ton of sense, man. Because honestly, you answer that, health, you stay healthy for a full season. I think a lot more people than just PFF are going to be all over you, my friend, heading into the draft. I think now I want to focus a little bit on TCU. I think TCU over the past few years has been super underrated in terms of the type of talent they've been able to push in the secondary. Gladney, Merrick, Darius Washington, so much talent coming out of TCU recently. How has that experience been? You know, working with those guys. You know, specifically Merrick and Darius Washington this past year, and uh, how much have you learned from playing under those underclassmen?
4: I mean, it was cool because I got to watch them grow. Like, I watched them from when they first came in and didn't know nothing, didn't didn't know a thing to what they are now, you know, some of the best safeties that was in the previous draft class. So it was honestly cool. Like, I've been here like five, I've been here for, I'm a senior, so Mm -hmm. it's, it's cool watching young guys, especially when they get opportunity at the next level. Uh, especially when they're in the secondary with me and i've played and communicated with them and, and trade and training ideas actually close friends of mine so that makes me more better so it was it was it was uh, it was great seeing them seeing them get picked up but and and was, that- was on on the field on the field it was, it was a lot easier too because I, I play i play the, the boundary a lot due to, just due to my physical you know yeah. I'm more of a on it so uh and and, then ad paid we safety which is so we communicated a lot so and we had great communication so it it helped
0: and and that cornerback room is loaded this year you got the transfer from memphis tj carter obviously hodges tomlinson talk to me about your relationship with those guys and and how that's been obviously working with them this offseason
4: uh tj's been working more with the safeties but as far as the other ones we've been we've been we've been working
0: been working that's good, man. That's great. Uh I know another guy, Quentin Johnson, 2024 star recruit on the receiver side. Breakout candidate. How does he look?
4: Uh I don't want to sound biased, so I'm gonna <laughs> say so I'm gonna say in two years, but I think next year he's gonna be the best receiver in the Big Twelve.
0: Oh, wow, man. That is First. high praise. That's sweet. I know a lot of people are high on him too. PFF included. Yeah. Um,
4: yeah. Honestly, I, 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 I've guarded him. I, I can truly say, you know, I'll see him in praise every day. I can truly say, yeah, he's, he's, he's one of the best up and coming receivers
0: too. That's right. sweet.
4: Right. High praise. Yeah, yeah. That's, absolutely. That's, that's, that, and, and me and me and Quentin are friends, but we're, he, we're not just close friends. Like, we haven't got a chance to develop that relationship yet. He's young, but I'm sure we will. So, but I'm not, so I'm not being biased. I'm being honest. That that dude's nice, man. <laughs> That's that awesome, man. Nice. Um,
0: last question for you, and I really appreciate the time. That's great to hear on Quentin Johnson, too. I, I guess set expectations for yourself for this upcoming year. Obviously, you want to be healthy. Obviously, you want to be in one of the best defensive backs in the Big 12, but... Given, you know, barring that you do have a healthy season, what is an ideal season or your highest expectations look like for Noah Daniels in 2021?
4: Uh individually or
0: Yeah, individually. In, individually.
4: I mean, I don't really like to get an individual, but I feel like my expectation is really to dominate every snap. Like I want I want to go every game walking off the field knowing I didn't let up anything. Like,
2: mm-hmm. and that's
4: because I know I want I want to do my one eleven basically like my job on defense. Like I don't want I don't want the reason we lose to be because of me. I don't want the reason you know my teammates, you know, are down and lost because of me. I want to I want to be able to step on the field and put my best foot forward every play because as I learned from these injuries, it can it can end any play. You know, so mm-hmm. that's just that's my goal. My goal is to just attack every single rep like it's just my last, and just to dominate.
0: That's Don't fantastic, man.
4: Don't back down to anyone. It just maintain that confidence that I know I have the ability to. That I just, unfortunately, with the injuries, I haven't had chance to show the world.
0: But, well, I'm really excited to see it, man. I think uh, healthy, healthy Noah Daniels. Everyone in college football should want to see that. This has been fantastic, and I wish you the best of luck this year.
4: Thank you.